0: Hello and welcome to the first episode of Sorted Cinema After Dark. I am your host, Randy Dankovich, the writer of Process Media and a contributor at Tilt Magazine. And joining me is my co-host, Ricky D, the man behind Tilt Magazine, and also joining us this week, Leah Warsby, a Tilt Magazine contributor. We are going to be talking about Yellow Jackets, the 10-episode Showtime series that just finished up in the past week or so. Um, And since you're wondering why I just called this After Dark, um, we are going to be doing a bonus episode every month where I am going to invade the Sorted Cinema feed and talk with Ricky about television. Uh, so with that, here is a little intro, and we'll be right back. I'll never forget the day I
1: heard their plane had gone missing. What do you think really happened out there?
0: All I know is that what happened was a tragedy. Those girls were special. They were champions.
1: I used to think all the sex, the drinking, the drugs.
0: I used to think I did those things because of what happened out there.
1: What I saw, what I did. Hello, Misty, you crazy bitch. It's been a while. I take it you know why I'm here. Okay, I'm out of here.
0: We agreed. Say no more than we have to.
1: The
2: truth is, the plane crashed. A bunch of my friends died. And then the rest of us starved and scavenged and prayed until they finally found us.
1: I think we both know there's more to it than that. I think it'll be good to reconnect with some old friends.
0: All right, and we're back with again the first episode of the Sorted Cinema After Dark bonus episode podcast extravaganza. Ricky, Leah, welcome to the show. Um, since Ricky is our co-host, I will I will say hello to you first. How you doing, Ricky? Good
2: morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. What's up, Randy? I love love the show. So I'm doing fantastic, despite the fact that it's so cold outside that if I were to sleep outside, I would most likely die. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I want to talk about why this is maybe my favorite show of 2021.
0: Well, we are three weeks into the year, so I'm glad that Ricky is coming through with that signature hyperbole that I love so much. No, 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 no. I said uh, 2021. 2021. Oh, 2021. Oh, you're going to count it for last year. Eh, why not? Wow. We have so I have this so much I want to dig into right there, but I don't want to go without introducing Leah. Leah, how are you? Welcome. Thank you for being our first After Dark guest.
1: Thank you. Such an honor. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this show that uh, made me sign up for Showtime. (laughs) Um, I'm one of the many who kept seeing Yellow Jackets all over my Twitter feed. And finally, before the finale, I said, It is time. I need to know what's going on here. And I'm so glad I did.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear that because I think it's probably been a long time since anybody's been able to say that they signed up for Showtime to watch something new. (laughs) Um, Not to throw too much shade at Showtime, but. Yeah. Um, so Yellow Jackets, for those that are unfamiliar, uh, the first season just aired on Showtime and we know it's the first season because it was also renewed for season two. Um, it is kind of, I think most people have been describing it as lost, but I think it's more of a reverse lost. And I'll explain what that means. Not only is it the setting of it kind of switched, it takes place. It's It follows a, a collection of of now women who are on a, uh, a soccer team whose plane crashed and the woods somewhere. Um, And it is both about the women as they are in 2021 and then 25 years prior in 1996 when their plane crashed and how they survived and the unrelenting pile of traumas that um, occurred to them while they were there and continue to occur to them in this day. And uh, like Leah said, it kind of It was the last big show and the first big show, the last big show of 2021 and the first kind of big viral show of 2022. I know a lot of people have been catching up with it for the past few weeks. Um, But yeah, this is um, to kind of frame the conversation. I think I would say that I don't, you know, I'm always going to disagree with people when they try and make when general comparisons to another television show. But it's been a while since I've seen something that has even conjured rumblings of loss, and I, I think the while these shows' DNAs are are essentially different, and we'll talk about why, um, I think that is probably the easiest venue to sell people that are unfamiliar um, with the show to the series. Um, so, Leah, I'll start with you. I, I always like to ask people how they feel about television, so how do you feel after going through the 10 episodes of Yellow Jackets?
1: Um, a little bit... side Yeah. <laughs> Um, Mostly excited to see what happens. So I actually, I'm under the impression that the showrunners pitched the show as a five season story. So they have their storyline already arced out, which makes me pretty excited, especially when I think about the Way that Lost kind of fell apart by the end, but correct me if I'm wrong, Ricky, I thought you you. mentioned that they don't have the show plotted out. (laughs) Lost fell apart at the end. I stand by that. Um,
2: So that was me that said that. And what I read was it's not that they don't know how the show might end. Or what they want to do in that last season but they're unclear about and i don't want to really get into too many specifics of this early in the podcast because it would be like considered full on spoilers mm. but they're not clear for example if a specific character is alive uh. or dead or if there's something supernatural going on there are things that happened in the last episode of season one where it leaves me wondering if they know what to do with specific characters because the end of season one and i think that this is a good thing it answers a few questions, but it leaves you with even more questions, which I think is great for the viewer because it keeps viewers invested, speculating, talking in between seasons about what they think will happen. And the hype is real. Like everyone's talking about the show, and everyone can't wait for season two. So it's a good thing.
0: Let's, you know, we, like you said, we don't want to get into the many, many strange aspects of the ending of this first season. So let's back it up a little bit and talk about the pilot, which um is always you know we could argue that the second episode is the hardest episode for any show to do but i think that's more of a, a comedy thing and i think for dramas the pilot has proven especially in the past decade a really tough knot for even good television to crack but you know the the first two minutes of of yellow jackets conjure up a lot of different series from game of thrones to garbage like abc's flash forward where it's immediately trying to establish a mystery and then pull you out of that to pull to to establish a world somewhere else completely which I think is a very daring kind of setup for a series to take in 2022 when you know I feel like a lot of creative decisions are made out of paranoia of losing audience interest and I wonder how uh, Ricky, I'll start with you how you felt. About how the first episode of this plays out and introduces us to this, let's say, eclectic band of characters.
2: Yeah, I could understand the reason for opening the first episode with the cold open, which implies that these girls are cannibals or had to resort to eating people. Um, because you wanted that mystery, you wanted it to be dark, you wanted to like hook viewers, but... I don't think the supernatural elements or not to say that there are supernatural elements, but the possibility of them actually making it official that there are supernatural elements. I don't think that's what interests people about the show. I don't think that's the hook. I think the hook is the characters, the setting, the, you know, and when I say setting, there's actually two settings. There's two timelines, 1996, 2021, 1996. It it of course takes place on an Island. Like I, everyone I know who watches this show they grew up in the 90s they they love the soundtrack for example which is incredible they like the characters they can relate to what they're talking about and but then you have the present day where that's where like it's weird because i feel like the present days where things get really twisted when they're in 1996 and they're stranded on an island and they have to do whatever they need to do to survive you can kind of sort of understand why But when you're in present day and you see like these characters do really, really terrible things, especially in I think it was the second last episode when they cut up a dead body. You're like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, I can't relate to that. That's when it gets dark and twisted. It's really weird how the darkest scenes are actually actually take place in the present. But I'm all over the map here. To answer your question, Randy, I think. They did it because they thought maybe them, the producers or writers, I don't know, thought they needed a way to hook people in. Because you mentioned Game of Thrones, which is a weird comparison, but not really, because Game of Thrones did have that cold o- open in the first episode too.
0: How did it make me feel, though? Did seeing something like that? It's kind of a loaded. It, it puts a loaded weapon down on the table, for lack of a, a better metaphor, and. You know, that's that's a tall ask after, you know, all the things we've been through as a as as audience members who have experienced trauma of disappointing television shows in our past.
2: In terms of feeling, um, it left me somewhat worried. And I felt a little bit worried. After the final episode had aired, like after I finished watching the final episode of season one, I was even more worried because, again, What interests me about this show isn't the idea that there could be something supernatural, which I don't think there is. I think that this is a show that's more interested in these characters, them dealing with trauma, them dealing with this traumatic event that happened in their life, which very few people would ever go through, which is a plane crashing in the middle of like somewhere in Ontario, and they're stranded for like almost two years when they're in high school. I... I'm more interested in the characters and their relationships and the, the typical things you would see in any drama, regardless if it revolves around a bunch of, like, high school girls who get stranded on an island. I just feel like nowadays in 2021, people are looking for the next Game of Thrones, for example, where there is a mystery really and a hook.
0: Is anybody looking for more well, Game of Thrones except they're, HBO? They're,
2: or, or in this, in this case, it's, it could be lost, like, where there's a hook, a mystery, and you will only get the full answers by the end of in this case season five which makes sense because you want people to keep watching but you also want it to make sense And by the way i do like the ending of lost but i totally understand why people don't
0: i will resist the <laughs> or the litigate the last of half of lost for another podcast leah how did you feel about the pilot <laughs> and kind of how it introduced us to this Again, set of strange characters because, you know, this, where, as Ricky's kind of alluded to, what this show is in its pilot episode and what it is in its finale are very different things. And I think we should kind of think about our reactions to both of them because, as again, as Ricky has already alluded to, the idea of perception is not only important to the text of the series, but I also think of how the audience absorbs it and will react to, you know, the inevitable season two.
1: Yeah. So I rewatched the pilot uh, like a day or two before the finale came out. And I think what struck me the most about the pilot is I think they did a really good job at not spending too long with the the opening scene. And then the, the, the scene of them in 1996 as cannibals, you know, cutting the girl after she's hung up. Like, I think in total, they probably spent less than five, six minutes in that having that scene like interspersed throughout the whole episode. So yeah, that mystery of cannibalists cannibals, what happened, blah blah is there, but I think overall the pilot does a really good job of staying focused on the women and their relationships and their situation in 1996 before the plane crash and then the women now in 2021, 2022, whatever, uh their trauma now, where they're at now, so that if they Because I agree with Ricky. I think if they stick with more important than were these women cannibals and all that comes along with that, the trauma and who these women are as people and how they've changed and grown and their relationships to each other, I think that'll be what keeps the show being as wonderful as season one was. So I think the pilot was just really, really well thought out in terms of that and then what they focused on.
2: Hey, can I just quickly say something? Like, I know everyone mentions Lost, which is... I mean, it's it's an amazing comparison. It's the best comparison you can actually whip up if you're trying to describe this show to someone who's never seen it. But I mean, the show creators were clearly inspired by Lord of the Flies. Mm. So for me, it's like Lord of the Flies meets Mean Girls with a touch of the craft. And I say the craft because we're not entirely sure, again, if there is anything supernatural about the show, it could just be the characters imagining things. It could be how people remember things. Um, it could be once again, how they are dealing with trauma and uh, who knows what the hell's going on. We don't know yet. Right. But that is what I like about the show. Once again, it's, it's the idea that we have a group of girls and I know this has been done before. Like there was a show called the wilds, which never really took off, which was released last
0: year, I think too. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. That came out in December of 2020. Oh right, but
2: that show never really took off.
0: Uh, it was it had it had a quick moment, but I think we also have to examine where we were in December of 2020 and kind of the state of television as as it was then, with everything having been delayed um, mm-hmm. in the beginning of 2021. A lot of stuff kind of hitting in strange places. Um, I think the Wilds is probably the thing people should think about more. Um, I also think Old came along and kind of did the same thing that The Wilds does. Yes, it might be the more like apt comparison between the two. Um, but yes, definitely is. There is a growing wave of of um, let's throw teenage girls into traumatic situations that are not high school, you know, gym class or whatever.
1: Um, the other thing that I would be interested to know, I don't know if that in my head, if The Wilds was a dropped all at once on Amazon because I think there is yellow jackets is one of those great examples right now that many of us, I think could use as an argument for why the week to week, you know, television show release can sometimes really, really help a TV show get noticed instead of just being a blip on the radar for a week. Uh, Maybe the wilds. Yeah. The wilds did come
0: out all in one day. And I would be willing to guarantee given Mm -hmm. that Amazon's already started to realize how dumb a, yeah, a way to release a show that is that they probably will not do that when season two comes out. Yeah, uh, whenever it comes out, I know it wrapped last summer, so I imagine it's soon.
2: Yeah, we talk about this all the time on the podcast. I, I I've always said it was a stupid way to release a TV show, and if you look at a network like or streaming service like Disney Plus, they don't do it. Yeah, and they're smart because you want to create that buzz and that water cooler talk. Because what mm-hmm. happens is a lot of times people will get frustrated. They don't want to have to go back and catch up on like 10 episodes of a TV show or three seasons right away. Whereas like, at least like, you know, for example, with you, it maybe took you nine episodes to finally get you to actually sit down and watch the TV show. Right. But the reason why you did was because of a weekly talk. Yeah. If they dropped all of the episodes in one day, you would have all, all of the internet, the bloggers, the people on Twitter, the critics, they would talk about it for one week. And it would disappear.
1: Yeah. Like, honestly, the a big contributing factor was that it was still on my Twitter feed. It was two months of it still constantly being referenced. P- people saying, oh, you got to watch this. You got to watch this. You got to watch this. I mean, in the two days that I watched it, I ended up getting three other people to watch it. <laughs> and so, yeah. Well, and so, I think that's
0: the shrewd part of it, too, is at the end of the day, you know, the business model decision for that is smarter because if your show airs for 10 weeks consecutively or, you know, 11 HBO used to give a week gap between its finales, but it doesn't do that anymore. But theoretically, if you have a 10 episode show, it's airing in three different months. So that is a lot of people you have the Mm -hmm. opportunity to sign up for. And if they sign up, after the fur if you have a good pilot and you can get people to sign up after that first episode, that's three months of revenue you're guaranteeing yourself every year for that show when it's on. Because yeah. you know they know people are going to come and go, especially as Netflix pushes itself to a twenty dollar a month tier for a ton of mediocre television. Um, I think we're finally getting back to the point where television can be good at its own pace again. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Right
2: now, what I want to know though is why this show? Like, why do you think this show? Like not why we watched it, like what what we just talked about, about how like, you know, the behind the scenes of the marketing and the way they release a show weekly. That is what got us to watch the show. Right. But what kept us watching for me was the characters. And that is why I think this show works better than a show like the Wilds, which I watched like the first two episodes of the Wilds and I thought it was okay, but it never really hooked me. But this show has an all star cast comprised mostly of actors who I will be honest, I don't know who these people are. But man, they are amazing. The teen cast is incredible. I don't know if they're actual teenagers. I'm, I'm assuming no, they're, they're in their 20s, not. They're all plain like, teenagers. But
0: even yeah. um, um, the teen daughter is she's like 27. None <laughs> of like the teen daughter in 2021 is like 27 years old. None of them. I don't. Think.
2: Right. So anyhow, the, the characters for me are the reason why I watched a show, and I think my favorite character of I'm just gonna say 2021 just to simplify things because. Most of the episodes that did air last year. My favorite character on TV of 2021 was Misty. Like she is the wild card of this show, uh, and, I'm, and 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 the, the amazing thing about the show too, right? Is we don't get one Misty, we get two Misties because we have Misty in 1996 and Misty in 2021, clearly played by two different actors. And Christina Ricci is incredible playing Misty in 2021. But even the teen actor who plays Misty in 1996 is just as good. And she is such an amazing character, such an interesting character. I never know what to expect from her. She always continuously surprises me each and every single episode. I'm surprised and she catches me off guard. Just when I think she can't get crazier, she gets crazier. But I use the word crazy, but she's also maybe the smartest character
0: of anyone on the show. Eh. I'm curious, Leah, because I, I, I have my own answer as to why I think this show entered the cultural zeitgeist. Do you think it is the Misty effect that brought that, that kind of propelled yellow? Because, you know, Christina Ricci is, you know, Melanie Lynskey is obviously a very well-known actress. But, you know, Christina Ricci is a cult hero in her own way for the work that she's done for the past few decades. Is it the Misty effect that really brought this show to the forefront of social media and culture?
1: Uh, I'm going to start using the term the Misty effect whenever I'm talking to anyone about basically chaos, because that's what I kept calling Misty whenever I would convince people to watch this show. There's a true agent of chaos on this show and her name is Misty. Um, So I think Misty and that character is a big contribution for why the show maybe did draw people in. Um, But... I also agree with what you just said that when I think about how I would convince people to watch it, I did always bring up Juliette Lewis, Christina Ritchie, Melanie Linsky, women, particularly Melanie Linsky, who always get cast as, you know, the long suffering wife. I mean, she is a long suffering wife in this (laughs) again, in some ways, but like, That was one of the biggest reasons for why I would pitch it to other people too, as, Oh my God, they finally get a chance to shine, especially for someone like Molly Linsky, who for a while now I think has been given a lot of opportunities for that. Um, So those would probably be the two biggest contributions. But when I think about why any of my friends did end up watching it, one of the biggest things they wanted to talk about was are the cannibals, do we think they're actually cannibals? Did they descend into two Warren groups? So I think they're, they're, is for especially the regular lay person out there maybe it's not writing about tv or film that mystery always it does pull people in like I know it sucks in many ways and that's maybe a discussion for another time that everything that's being pitched now has to have a whodunit aspect to it like I think Mike White talked about that a lot with the White Lotus how he almost as soon as you add a whodunit people want to green light it. Uh, and I mean, it's not necessarily a it here, uh, but it is still that mystery element that seems to be a big contribution for why content is being made these days that draws people in.
2: I got a question for Randy, because you keep asking us about the mystery. What do you think the mystery is in season one that would keep people watching? Like, what is the mystery? The antler queen?
0: No, no, no. I think the mystery is, is, it's the, un, it's just the unknown in general. I think there's so much that we don't know about, you know, that there's, there's a reason that there's a 25 year gap that we don't flash. We flash back and forth between two distinct scenes because the show is drawing mystery out of, you know, what happens to the souls of these people. You know, if we're going to lean into some of the more literal biblical metaphors that the shows kind of thrown out here and there, it's, I mean, a lot of it is really paganism stuff, but, There's very much a lot in here that's about morality and and salvation of the self. If we think about like um, the religious girl who, you know, literally burns up in the middle of the air, Um, there's the mystery of this show is is based in, in the writing and where the writers are able to pull out different threads to make things interesting. You know, we spent I read a lot of articles throughout this season that, you know, hypothesize about how Adam was tied into whatever was going on with this blackmail. And then, you know, it turns out that that, that is not the case. So I think really where the two things that I think this this show really established the season that it does well, that give me hope, even when some of the larger plot things kind of make me squint a little bit and say, mm, do we really do, you, are you equipped for this? Um, is that the show's ability to subvert expectation with, big plot points like obviously we know we kind of know the broad strokes of where things are going but the little moments and the surprises we're able to find in there and I think mostly that I've been thinking about this a lot is like how is this show able to surprise me a person that has seen more television than any human should see in their, their regular given lifetime and it's not necessarily in when they reveal things it's it's when Logical, this show operates with a logic that television often and just media in general often doesn't allow it to, you know, if somebody breaks into the house and the cops show up, you don't get arrested and thrown in the jail. And then somebody doesn't answer the phone and not agree to pick you up. You know what I mean? Like this show does little things with, with human behavior and human interaction that subvert dramatic cliche in a lot of interesting ways. And I think that ultimately is how I would I wouldn't use all those dumb words to, to sell somebody on the show like that, but I think you sit somebody down with yellow jackets and say, you can watch this pilot and have faith that the show is going to follow through on the story that it's telling, which is not something that TV is often able to do now. I think of something like, you know, like the Umbrella Academy, which, you know, is an adaptation, so it's a little bit different, but has a pilot that has all of these strange weird ideas that offer all of this promise. And then the series just literally becomes the most boring version of itself. It possibly could where everybody acts like an idiot asshole constantly. And there's, there's something to be said for a show that understands the logic of its world and its characters and doesn't stray from that. So when it starts to do things that I would normally question other shows for like, Hey, maybe we're introducing too many mysteries or, Hey, you know maybe if we're going to show um Misty injecting chocolates with a bunch of fentanyl and then never mention again mention it again like that should come up and and by the we get by the time we get to the final you know and until we get to the final 30 seconds of the season i think the show follow through is on that promise even when it's not connecting those dots directly between you know the scene of people in the woods in the middle of winter to you know high school reunion 2021
2: okay so here's the way i look at it and feel free to call me crazy but this show doesn't have a mystery in a sense where it's like was it dallas like who shot jr like people talked about it and watched it because they wanted to know who shot jr the question was right then and there who shot jr that was the mystery right twin peaks who killed laura palmer for example that's the hook but with this show We don't really have that kind of hook. Like there are questions, but it's more like we, the viewers and the characters within the show, imagine things. And we start thinking that something isn't right about so-and-so, right? We start having our own weird theories. We like, for example, Adam is the perfect example. Like according to the show creators, Adam is just a dude who fell in love with Shauna.
0: Yeah. It's a sign to the audience that you're paying attention. If you're paying attention to that and all of those clues, you're paying attention to the wrong things. And that's the thing that that's the thing that Lost forgot to do is to remind people that a lot of its story and what it was showing us was metaphor. (laughs) And and I think that's where people have conflict with that show is that it was so it could be so literal and so metaphorical. And then it was just like 300 percent metaphorical, like balls to the wall to the very end, which, you know, I'm all on board for. But I don't think Yellow Jackets, Yellow Jackets isn't aiming for that. And I think that's to its credit. Yellowjacket says, let's trauma bond over JR's death rather than who shot JR. Right. But 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 again, that that is why
2: I think the characters are so important to the show, which sounds like a really stupid thing to say when you're critiquing a TV show. But how often do we watch TV shows and are more interested in the action or the soundtrack or the visuals? Umbrella Academy is a good example. I think it's style over substance, and I understand it's based on a comic book, but I don't walk away from watching an an episode of an umbrella, uh, umbrella Academy and really thinking about the story of characters. I just think about the cool camera shots and the needle drops, right? Whereas in this show, I walk away thinking about all of these characters and there are a lot of characters. There are a lot of characters and not only are there a lot of characters, but, multiply it by two because we get the characters in present day and in the past and they're so different because clearly in 25 years these characters grow so maybe the misty we meet in 2021 is very similar to the misty we meet in 1996 but most of these characters have greatly changed natalie is a prime example i think natalie is yeah she's moved from
0: mushrooms to fentanyl
2: well, no, I think, I think she's a, a progression <laughs> MVP. I think she's the secret MVP of the show. I, I think season two is going to like really put her in a spotlight over Shauna and over uh, Misty. I could be completely wrong, but I, I like. I mean, th- those three characters alone are are worth watching the show for.
1: So I think for people like us who are analyzing TV shows, it at the core we know that it's the characters that are bringing us back. But I do think that for a regular person who's not sitting there and analyzing and thinking about why they're being brought back into the show and how much they love it, it is these questions of who's the antler queen, who's left alive, who gets out of the woods, who dies in the woods, how does this person die in the woods? Are they cannibals? Like, I think it's so easy to forget when you're people like us who are sitting here and talking on a podcast for an hour and like picking apart the show that for other people like my sister that's what she's thinking about. That's the first thing that she wants to talk about, you know? And so I think it's different depending on who you are when you're watching a TV show like this. Right.
2: Right. No, I, I totally agree. But yeah. I, I do think that even within that first episode, there's so many quote unquote little mysteries that you can't yeah. really just explain it to someone. They need to just watch the show. Like you could say, well, it's about a bunch of high school girls. that. Like, and they're playing crashes in Ontario and they might be cannibals, but we're not sure. That's that's not enough. <laughs> yeah. um, like that honestly is not enough. You have to say things like Lord of the flies meets lost meets mean girls. Like, yeah. That's the way you describe the show. They watched the first episode and then that first episode hooks you. But I think I really do think it hooks most people because of the setting, because of the soundtrack, because of the ambience, the mood, the atmosphere. It's very like moody. And there is a, a shadow Hovering over the show over every episode that it does imply that this could be supernatural. But again, we're not entirely sure. Because there isn't a reliable narrator in this entire, like, season. And there are, again, how many characters are there? Like, 22, if not more? Oof. yeah. And you so can't you really a believe... Team, well,
0: half a soccer team's worth of people. And then... You know, right. And, really you, but you,
2: and you can't even really believe what
0: any of them are seeing because half of them are on shrooms half the time. Why <laughs> <laughs> not the worst way to live if that's, if that's the experience you're going through. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think... So, you know, I don't know if there's a lot to be pulled out of, you know, digging through every plot point that happens in the middle episodes of this series. I do think if there's like one aspect of this season that I did not enjoy. It was the fact that every episode had to be 58 fucking minutes long. Like this show is very, very good. It is a very good television show, but a bit of dramatic brevity goes a long way. And, um, there are too many scenes that hang on too many shots for too long. (laughs) And that was, that was a little annoying, but, um, that's, it's a small complaint to say that I think, This show changes a lot over the course of these 10 episodes. Like you said early on, Ricky, we start out with, you know, teenagers crashing in a woods and a woman unhappy at home. And we end up with Misty snorting coke, bodies being cut up, um, husbands plotting schemes and cults kidnapping people. And then, of course, our teenage near island, our teenage woods near mushroom orgy. That almost ends up in murder that ends up with, um, at the end of the season. And I shouldn't have to say this because it's 2022, but spoilers for the season finale of yellow jackets. If you haven't seen it, um, you know, the season ends with our boy, Adam has been cut up and, and roasted. And back in 1996, Jackie has died. Um, I think, you know, on a lot of shows that shift in tone would have been a difficult thing for audiences to digest. But as this show has gotten bleaker and bleaker, it has smartly started to inject moments of humor in characters in both timelines, and I think that's gone a long way to help guide viewers along through what becomes a really fucked up viewing experience by the last two hours. I know we've all kind of been shaded by the horrible things that we've seen on television and film in our lifetimes, but... The shit that goes on psychologically, even more than physically, in the last two hours of Yellow Jackets is, is some of the more difficult things you'll have to sit through watching television. Okay, so
2: since we're sort of talking about things we do not like about the show, I did say that I think it's my favorite show of, again, to simplify things, 2021, because the season did stretch into 2022. Least favorite, and least I... 2022. I do think that Succession is still the best show of 2021, but there's still always but I always say there's a difference between favorite and and best. Sure. Right. So, I just enjoyed the show so much. I actually watched most episodes, not all episodes twice. But there's one thing I did not like about season 1. And it is when we get to present day 2021, Adam has been killed by Shauna, which makes sense because of the way she killed him. She thought he was a threat and he was going to attack her. And Plus, he was black her.
0: She's good with a knife.
2: Yes, but all that makes sense. And we know it makes sense because of what happened to her and th- what she had to go through on the island. But what I did not like and what did not make sense to me, I mean, it made sense. I just didn't agree with the characters doing this is having those ladies chop up the body, cut up the body, put the body in a plastic bag and have crazy Misty get rid of the head and the hands. Like, I felt that was going a little too far. Like, it, I, I just, like, I can understand when you're on on an island and you have to survive and God knows what you had to do to, to survive. We've seen those stories play out in real life. Like, I mean, they made movies like Alive based on real life events where a plane crashes and people have to eat people. But in this show in 2021 i felt like they felt that they needed to go there and i don't think they needed to go that far that's the only complaint i have about season one
1: what would you have had them do though to make sure that they didn't get caught well i I mean i i think that
2: there could have been like just a gazillion different ways to get rid of the body maybe just have misty drop by and say that she's going to take care of it but to actually watch them cut up the body i mean i don't know about you but i don't think there's very many people on this planet that would have that would be, actually be able to cut up a body.
0: Well, here's the thing, Ricky. First of all, I think I think Misty would probably be most people's if they saw that and had that same reaction. That would be their most natural direction of play. We'll just have Misty do it. But if you look at how Misty has behaved over this the entire course of the season, she is not a person to commit actual violence. She will just poison your fucking ass. That's all she does. She's a poisoner. She uses needles. She uses mushrooms. That's that's what she does. She doesn't stab people. She doesn't shoot people. She doesn't she clearly is not equipped to commit those types of acts of violence. Now, on the other hand, we have our 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 dear dear friend, um, who she has been, you know, at one point in her life was appointed the very person to do the bloodshedding of their group. And, you know, a lot of what this show is inherently about is, you know, the things that happen to us as teenagers, even though, you know, we we brush off high school as a a fun time or a thing that we survive or whatever, those are formative years for our brain. And once those synapses have formed their pathways, if you just let that go as an adult, shit is going to happen to you and you're going to be a very different person. And I think where that makes sense for me and why I think it works, and I think it was a really, actually a really smart move for the show to do, is it just shows you how much trauma and just how repressed it's all become in these women. And and in particular, of course, now um you just said her name and her name's falling out of my head. Um uh, uh Shauna. Um, you know, Shauna has been she has gone through seeing what she thought was her husband cheating on her, seeing her daughter rebel against her, seeing her, you know, just just kind of the fact that she has not lived the life that she's wanted to live. We get a we get a hint of that in that great scene with her and the politician. With Ty, yes. they Everybody calls her Ty and that's why I keep asking her name. So the scene I really like with her and Ty is when she's talking about the life that you can tell she has spent a lot of time thinking about having lived a life where she didn't crash on an island and she didn't let her friend die in the cold. And there's a numbness to her that go, that precedes everything that she does through the season. I mean, they're chasing people in cars and committing felonies left and right. And, you know, out of all of them, she is the one that have the least emotional reactions to them. I know but I still I still think like everything you're saying is
2: correct and I do agree that Misty what's great about her is that she won't physically attack anyone she's conniving and smart and she finds different ways to do whatever she needs to do be it for example poison someone so they have a car accident but shauna is clearly the one who could i can actually believe would cut up a body because she's also the one who i could believe would murder someone because she actually does murder someone and it totally makes sense in terms of like who she is the character that we are presented with but it was just weird to have all of them sort of show up like a bunch of gangsters and cut up a body all i'm saying is i like when we get to the last two episodes when you mention like everything that happens from like a kidnapping to like a stabbing to like a murder to like a bunch of people cutting up a body to like this big huge orgy that takes place while, because they're all on mushrooms there's a lot that happens in like the last two episodes that i felt that it was a little too much and i i personally would have been okay if we eliminated that one scene i'm just saying the one little thing that i would remove from season one apart from that i love the whole entire season i especially love how in the final episode when we do get natalie who's about to shoot herself she's about to commit suicide with a shotgun that is when i realized how much i care about this character because i did not want to i swear to god i didn't look at the screen i was like i can't look i can't look i don't think they're gonna kill her but i can't look just in case because you never know right and then we get who I think might have been my favorite character, but I didn't realize she was my favorite character until she died, and that's Jackie, who we discovered. Jackie's dies. your
0: favorite character?
2: Yeah, I, you, I don't Ricky? know. I who <laughs> <like, laughs> What? I feel so sorry for her. <laughs> oh, no. I cried. I cried. Oh,
0: Look, I don't. How could you, I don't think anybody did bad bad about that her ending, Andy? but she was a horrible human being.
2: <laughs> she was uh, She was just unhappy and misunderstood, and she outside she was lazy
0: you know why she died because she never learned how to make a fucking fire after
1: months they were there for months and she still didn't know how to make a fire she tried to tell shauna to get out first
0: yeah that was that was heartbreaking i think that (laughs) was kind of the moment where i was like well you know you're doomed but i think
1: yeah
0: getting back to what you said about um you know having to kind of look away in the season's final moments when it looks like Natalie's going to kill herself i think why that i think the reason why that scene works for you and the other scene doesn't are the same reason um and it's that show's commitment to logic like the logical thing to happen in that scene is for Natalie to die and the show has gone out of its way in this first season to show us that it is going to go, often go with a logical you know, um, the, the next plot point is going to be a logical one, no matter how difficult that may be. If it puts them in a harder narrative position for their characters to get out of, be that them being thrown into prison or X, Y, and Z, you can think of any number of examples, but I think it's that shows commitment and consistency that make you so afraid in that moment. And so I think, you know, I'm not saying you ever have to like a scene of a body being chopped up, but I think that it, In a way, it almost justifies that scene's presence because if we don't have stuff like that, then that tension's not going to be there when she puts her finger on the trigger. I can't believe you don't like Jackie.
2: She's such a great character. Jackie. (laughs) She's a great character. The fact that you hate her so much makes her a great character. She she brings out that. It makes it a great performance.
0: The character can be a piece of shit.
2: (laughs) Oh well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying like the character, like as in the actor, like the character, like has a character on a TV show. She was. She's she's amazing. Like it's not going to be the same without Jackie. She's the one that 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 causes so much tension between a group of girls.
0: But I mean, if we if you were like if I stopped you after episode two and I say who dies in the finale is it the religious girl is it Jackie or is it Lottie because I guess you know it's not until like when is that shot of her walking across the antlers like episode four or five till they kind of start to hint towards who she would become. But like if I had presented that to you you probably would have thought that Jackie would have survived, right? But I think the show goes starts to go out of its way after those first two episodes to show that she's not equipped to be out here and she has alienated herself from her team members in a way that over time that's just going to chip away as their sanity slowly starts to evaporate. I don't know. I don't Let me ask
2: you a question. So so my favorite character, like I said, is Misty. Like I'm just like, I just do really like Jackie and I'm going to miss her because of the tension she creates. Right. But who's your favorite character?
0: Um, I don't know. I really like Ty. I like, I like both Ty. Like when we're not, I don't know why shows continue to integrate political campaigns that don't matter. It reminds me of The Killing, which did an entire two seasons about a political plotline that had fuck all to do with the show. Um, once they got away from that political campaign stuff and they started to kind of examine Ty and what was going on with her, and we still don't really know what's going on for her except for the fact that she hallucinates to scare and scares her child, eats dirt, tries to eat herself, and kills a dog. I'm going to guess she probably ate some of that dog as well. Um, but I think the, the shades of that character are super, super fascinating. And then, of course, Shauna, because, you know, every event that happens to her it, it reminds me of those those tension videos where like somebody's pressing a nail up against something or, or pressing something down to see when it finally snaps or finally like succumbs to that pressure because you would think that at some point during the season she would have just lost her fucking mind you think when it was revealed to her that she murdered a dude because of she misinterpreted something and listened to her daughter too much that Something would have snapped in her and it speaks to how broken of a human being she is that it hasn't and that she's just kind of been able to ride adrenaline for however long this has been now through this experience. And that I think is provides a really fascinating examination for a character, especially a character that has to exist on a show where kind of anything can happen because the show is always throwing surprises left and right to keep us engaged. So you don't have a favorite character. You're just going to list off the entire cast. No, those are my two <laughs> favorite characters. I would say Ty and um, and Shauna are my two favorite characters. I also okay. like Ben, but I wouldn't put him up there with those two.
1: Oh, I do love Ben, though. <laughs> I was about to
2: say, we haven't talked about the men yet.
1: Oh, poor Coach um, Ben. What
2: about you? What about you? What's your favorite character? I already know.
1: Uh, so Misty like everyone else also just love Misty adult and child, like adult version and child version of Misty or teenage version of Misty. But I am really partial to teen Nat. I think teen Nat is, she's just, she's so resilient and funny. And I also really like her relationship with coach Ben. I really like that relationship as it slowly develops. Um, Especially because I'm so surprised that in a show filled with women, how much I feel bad for, for Coach Ben, so it says something uh, for that act, to that actor and how they have played his storyline. But uh, Yeah, Teen Nat, well, who if it's pretends not to like
0: have an illegal relationship with a student just so they can not have that student bother them because they're super annoying. Like that poor dude. I love. Exactly. I do, I do love Ben.
2: Yeah, but the, I mean, this is 1996 and that might not seem like that long ago, but 1996, it wasn't easy to come out as gay.
0: No, no, not at character. all. I'm, but I'm saying like the fact that he was willing to coerce a 16-year-old girl to think that he was in love with her so he could both protect his secret and just get her to fuck off for a little while really endeared me to his character. And like like Leah said, I think, I think his friendship with Nat if there's like one particular element I really love to see develop this season, it was that.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, for sure. Like I, I actually like really like the fact that we do have some LGBTQ plus characters in a show. And like, you got to remember two years later was the Matthew Shepard story, which wasn't the only tragedy that took place in the United States that revolved around like a gay man being killed, but it was the one that was front page news and really changed the way the nation looked at the situation in North America. So like, I, I kind of understand The coach and I I, he's a character that I really deeply care for. Um and he's one of the most likable, if not the most likable, character in a show in terms of like just him as a person, not like the character and the actor and a performance. You know what I mean? Like he's a good guy. Yeah. So it's too bad he doesn't actually survive. Yeah, it's too bad he's probably going Mm -hmm. to die.
0: Definitely. (laughs) Do we think he's
1: going to be eaten though?
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which I guess (laughs) that's a good segue (laughs) into talking about the unknown and what comes next, because I think this season obviously ends um, in a very, very strange place. You know, I think it was smart not to kind of go full circle back to that opening scene because, again, you kind of close yourself off if you return to that and, and, and suck all that mystery out of the room. Um, but, you know, we end the season with everybody chilling at the reunion, just assuming that everything's good after um, the artist's death, even though we hear on the news that the police are trying to figure out what the hell happened there because he's gone missing. But we've got Ty winning her election, which elicited a groan for me because now we're going to have to hear more political shit in season two. Um, we have we, we have no idea what's going on with, with uh, uh, Ty's child. That, that was one thing that kind of got dropped. But then we also have the larger notions of um, Misty killing the, the Fixer, uh, a character that I was also sad to see go. Great, great little performance there. Um, and then the big one, which was of course us finding out that uh Natalie was kidnapped and what i'm just going to infer is that Lonnie's cult has somehow persisted into 2021 because while she is not mentioned in the final episode i noticed that she only appeared at maybe in one of the pictures of the slides that they showed at reunion or maybe none of them which kind of had me start wondering well what happened to Lottie? And I think this season did a really good job of having us focused on this these core four characters and what happened to them in 2021, and not get so sucked in. Well, what happened to that girl? And what happened to that girl? And what happened to this girl? And is this girl dead? I'm sure people are doing that on Reddit, but like, the show did a good job to not make me concerned about that. But now I am starting to wonder. You know, where's Lottie? Where are some of these other people that happened? You know, we never found Javi. Did Javi die in the woods? Did he survive? Okay. You know, by not- the way, like. What
2: the hell? Like, nobody cares about Javi. Like, the dude is missing. <laughs> well, yeah. It's freezing cold then... outside. Nobody's looking for him. No one's talking about him. No one seems to care. Like, yeah, poor then, dude. And also... Homecoming,
0: Ricky.
1: Doom coming.
0: Doom Doomcoming.
1: Yeah. I think... I wonder if there's just a practical explanation behind that. Because I feel like I saw an Vulture article or... Fanny Fair somewhere that right? Didn't they film the pilot all the way back in 2019? And we might have a uh, a Walt issue on our hands. Essentially, here the kid just grew ah. too much. Like right, not
0: to law to lost if he just disappeared. Yeah. We never saw. He just him.
1: disappears because he grew too much. <laughs> sure. we just see a vision of
0: him in three years, and he's like six and a half
2: feet tall. And has exactly. A <laughs> you, you did forget to mention that we did actually get the the close up of the antler queen. The three of them doing their sort of like cult like r- ritual. And the, in terms of like the cult, like the cult clearly is there in present day because we do
0: see the symbols all over in 2021, the actual symbol that we see in the past. But well, I now think we know that's not question... just Lottie or somebody from the class, though. There's other people involved in that that we don't know. For sure, for sure. But the biggest question I have is, was a
2: baby actually able to survive? Mm-hmm. W- w- were they even actually able to give birth to the baby? Was it a miscarriage? Like Because they were stranded on the island
0: for almost two years
1: those lost freudian slips keep coming out ricky the oh, island and the other thing, <laughs> it's like the second or third time you said island
0: <laughs> her daughter is only we can assume 16 or 17 years old and this happened 25 years ago so her yeah. daughter is not the child she is pregnant with at the moment did you guys realize that did you guys realize that yeah so her daughter's in high school, which means she is younger yeah. than twenty five, which means she mm-hmm. cannot be the child that um Sean is currently pregnant with. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, which means I think I think we all know what that means.
1: That baby's it means dead. Another kid. Oh
0: it means they're eating human veal, Ricky.
1: <laughs> no, I just think that baby died. Like, not because they ate it.
0: I think she
2: has a miscarriage.
0: Yeah. I mean, she certainly I mean, the season premiere could happen. I'd be like, oh, no, you're having a miscarriage because of the shrooms. And that could be that. Mm. But I think that would be a bit of a disservice to how much that story was important to this first season. And, you know, we did get that dream sequence of them pulling like eating a turkey that she gave birth to. Just saying.
2: Yeah, no. The, the, <laughs> no nobody Richie doesn't think this show will go there, show. but I
0: think this yeah. show would put a baby in a cage and eat I, it, is what I'm saying. I
1: don't think they're going to eat it, but I think it's going to be something like horrific, maybe an accident or some, something with the cult takes the baby. Something. I think that baby gets born and I think that baby dies.
2: I look. We got five seasons. They're not going to give us all the answers next well, season. Hopefully, We're gonna have we have five, five seasons. seasons. Yeah. Hopefully, it's show time, which
0: means we'll probably end up with twelve. And the show will no. run out of welcome.
2: Of the big question here is: Do you think that they're going to actually officially introduce supernatural elements? Like it's gonna, like they're going to like confirm this is supernatural. It's not just in their head. It's not just the viewers imagining things. It's not. It's not just them teasing us. It's going to be supernatural.
1: Well, my understanding is that every interview these these showrunners and writers are doing right now is they are saying that they want everything that happens to be interpreted either way. Right. That all of us can watch something and say, there's a logical explanation for this. There's a psychotic break. She has what BPD like or it's supernatural. And personally, one of the things i loved the most about the leftovers a show that we were talking about earlier <laughs> um is at the end of the show i think for many people there's an ambiguity that they get to decide what to believe and that show uh, takes
0: a fucking leap
1: yes and <laughs> that could be a whole other conversation but like i like i think it's really really hard to do that i think i'm one of those people who thinks that lost didn't do that but i hope that this show does for me what leftovers did Where by the end of it it is able to walk that line of ambiguity where i get to decide is it all supernatural and someone else can decide there's a logical explanation for all of it i don't know how they'll do that but yeah
2: you know i think they could do that in like two or three seasons but Mm -hmm. not five seasons i think when we get to five seasons like you're going to have to start actually giving people answers yeah, like true. Uh, maybe and the, if not then they might be like the best showrunners or <laughs> writers for a tv series ever because i mean not even like you said lost can do it not even like the left i mean there's so many great shows where eventually i mean game of thrones they like, they eventually just had to like give in and give like audiences answers and and sort of like dumb it down towards the like the longer a show lasts the worse it gets because some a lot of shows they outlast their welcome and so I'm not entirely sure if five seasons is right. Maybe it is.
0: We'll see. Well, if you think about how this first season roughly covered if we're going by how pregnant um, Sean is by the end of it is about four months, you know, four months times five seasons is 20 months. Just saying. Mm. Um, I hope they don't do that. And I think, you know, I don't think it's any surprise to Ricky or anybody that's listened to me before when I say that I could give a fuck whether the show is logical. If we look back at this series and say, Yeah, A meant to B and B went to C and C went to D and we're all good. And, you know, I don't I don't want this show to ever come out and say that anything is explicitly supernatural because, you know, I think working. This show is at its best, like when Lost was at its best, when it works in both the literal and the metaphorical and lets audience decide what speaks to what I think not only does that give you more to to chew on over time, but also just makes for more interesting television and more surprising TV? Um, so I my my inclination as as we think about and and start to look towards a season two is just that this show continues to both embrace the weirdest, darkest situations that it can without losing its consistency, and 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 by that I mean in terms of how it approaches like conflicts in drama logically and, and presents a logical step forward, even if it may not all make sense visually, we, we understand how things get from one point to another. And that's all I really care about. It's, it's, it's about that emotional journey that really defines a series like this. That's so heavily focused on characters.
2: Okay. So to wrap up, We've talked about our favorite characters. Can I ask, what is your favorite scene in season one?
0: Uh, I don't want to go first.
1: <laughs> I can go first. <laughs> um, I would say my favorite scene is probably Misty snorting Nat's Coke. Because it just, if I wasn't already a fan of Misty, how could you not immediately? weirdly fall in love with Misty when she runs in that room, snorts Nat's Coke and says she's doing it to save Nat. And I believe that hundred percent that that is that character's motivation. She is like, I have to save my best friend from herself. I will snort all of this Coke. Um, but uh, on the non-funny side, my other favorite scene is probably the aborted abortion in the woods. That was just, if, this show didn't cement to me like what you've been talking about all along, Ricky is that it really is about the characters. It was that moment when I realized, ah, okay. I see this relationship between, uh, Thaisa and Shauna and I get it. And it's rooted in something truly, truly beautiful and supportive and lovely.
2: Yeah. That, that scene is brutal. Like, man, I felt so bad for those characters to be like, uh, but I'm really glad that they aborted the abortion.
1: Oh, oh, and same. also, it,
2: it, yeah. And it also leaves the mystery open. Like what happens to the baby, which, you know, every time I talk to people about the show, they would ask, who do you think still going to be alive in season two? And what happened to the baby? Those are like the two biggest questions. It, it's hard to say what my favorite scene is. Cause there are so many great scenes and I have to like reflect back on like 10 episodes of which they were all fantastic. But, you know what? Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it. I think my favorite scene is like when we find out what happens to Jackie because they have the big confrontation in the cabin, and then of course she gets let outside, and they find her outside the next morning, and that's when we finally get to winter and it's snowing, and the poor girl's dead, and you, you both are happy that she's dead, and I was crying because it's Jackie, and it's not going to be the same without Jackie, and I, I want to see what happens in season two in the wilderness, like, but um. Yeah, I think that might be my favorite scene.
0: Bon There's voyage, ones, Jackie, though. is what I say. Um
1: Jackie Dying reminds me, we didn't even talk about um that other one final little question mark they left us with is who the hell is the man in Jackie's dying vision scene that is also in the opening credits, right? That we don't know. Like we assume he's the guy who owned the cabin, but what does that mean? Oh well isn't that sweet?
0: um that was um I think it's kind of blurry, but I believe that was that was uh Nat- Natalie's father because his Wait, ha- half his face was gone wasn't it
1: it was what no it was either, was that it was either him I, didn't I would see either that. think
0: it was him or it was the person who died in the house because no I think I think like again whatever it is that they
2: see could just be something that they imagine but I think it's just to represent the person who died in the cabin before they arrived
0: yeah I, I really think that you know if we're gonna if we had to put a hard stamp on what this is obviously I think that these women have entered themselves into some kind of strain, not if not metaphysical, then, you know, again, metaphorical purgatory and there's other things clearly, as we've seen planes and and other people that other things have been stuck here in some way or another, you know, there's a notion when, um, you know, Laura Lee's plane explodes that they are not allowed to leave this place. There's, there's a lot of people that are starting to think that. And I think, uh, you know if i've if I had to put a hard stamp on it that's probably why i i, I to be quite honest i'd have to go back but my first inclination was that it was that she was seeing um uh natalie's father and that's why we think that's that's what clued me into the fact that she was dead and seeing whatever she was seeing what if it's paul
1: paul who's paul
0: coach's boyfriend he just shows <laughs> up and kills everybody yeah right he's like hey <laughs> what a twist um, <laughs> I also kinda of would have a hard time nailing down with like my favorite particular scene was. I think I have I really enjoy Shauna's domestic scenes, especially when she tells her daughter to get fucked and just kind of spills everything out to her husband and, and is I think all of those scenes are really great. Um so for the sake of just saving time, I will probably just go with that. Like I think Shauna's the the emotions that she's going through when she's just kind of going through the daily routine of of living her life i think provide a really fascinating kind of foundation for the rest of the series to build on and it's it's really important to where this series goes where she goes and uh, so when we get to see her kind of express something but that's that's outside of just reacting to things i think it's fun when she's you know establishing her persona in her household This stuff's fun
2: all right you know i just realized that um... I think it was the second last episode was directed by the the director of the Blair Witch Project, which totally makes sense now.
1: Oh, that's cool. So do, Doom coming, right? Hey, the penultimate episode? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. nice.
2: Or was it the last episode? Sorry.
1: Uh, it definitely wasn't the second to last episode. It
0: was the final episode. Uh, ah.
2: The final episode. Okay.
0: I was going to say, I recognize that second name, but it was from more from TV stuff.
2: Anyhow, look, I... I'm pretty sure anyone listening to this podcast watches this show, but I love this show and I would recommend it to anyone. Um, I do actually recommend it to everyone. And most people have started to watch the show that I speak to and they all love it. I have yet to meet someone who doesn't like the show. I'm excited for season two. I'm a little worried, like I said. But look, this is one of the best first seasons of TV in quite some time. And I like the fact that this show came out of nowhere. Like It was like the sleeper hit of 2021.
0: Any final thoughts, Leah?
1: Um, no, kind of. I agree with Ricky. I really like that it was a little bit of a sleeper hit. Um, I think we all needed that right now with the the whole Omicron surge that we're all going through. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, the, season one left me with a very, very hopeful feeling for season two. But, you know, catch me. Catch me in the middle, of season two, middle of season three, and who knows? Maybe I'll I'll become very cynical and, and worried about where they take the show. But for now, I'm feeling pretty hopeful, pretty positive.
2: Can, can I ask you a question, Randy? Before we wrap up, how does a show like this get away with so many like songs? Like in terms of like musical rights mm. and how much it would cost them? Like like wh- like like for example, if this show gets released on DVD, should I pick it up right away? Because there's a good chance in five years I won't be able to buy it anymore because they're going to lose rights to the songs.
0: I think just in general, it's a great idea to buy physical media of the shows that you enjoy because a, those rights will run out and b, who knows what's going to happen in this streaming age and digital age of stuff where shows just disappear after the period of time. Sometimes they just go away and you don't see them anymore. Um, Yeah, we didn't talk a lot about the music, but I will say that um, Yellow Jackets, if you're going to watch Yellow Jackets for one thing, watch it because it's the only time in the 21st century you will see a piece of media do a good drop of an offspring song. It's not going to happen. Yet. I know, right?
2: Oh my God. You're talking about when they get to the prom yep. or not the prom, the reunion. Yes, that is oh, man. about the only
0: time I will hear a, uh, offspring song and be like, wow, that fucking slaps. So shout out. Uh, I don't know who the music supervisor was, but shout out to, to, uh, to them for, for that. Cause yeah, the music on this show, you know, as, as people who came of age with nineties music, I think it kind of speaks to us in particular, but, um, yeah. The soundtrack is fantastic. Um, I also think it's fun that the pilot was directed by, if we're talking about directors by Karen Kusama, Kusama, who directed Jennifer's body, but is probably less known for also directing that shitty on Flux movie. Um, so it just goes to show that you can still make shitty movies and still come back 20 years later and make wonderful television. Um, but with that, that will wrap up our discussion of the first season of Yellow Jackets, which, as we've noted, you can watch um, on Showtime, wherever whatever Showtime streaming service is called. Uh, it's probably available through Hulu as well. Um, and then we will be back next month to talk about another season of television of some sort. I don't think we know what we're going to do yet, but um, Leah, anything you would like to plug while you're here before we before we let you go?
1: Um, no, you can find me at uh, Tilt uh, or on Twitter at LD Warsby.
0: I think they know where to find you, Ricky, but w- but where are
2: you at? On Twitter, it's Sorted Cinema, and um, you can find the podcast over at TiltMagazine.net. It's also embedded into the Sorted of Cinema feed and also, the, and also the mid-season replacements feed. So, I don't know, you can just find like, us. You, you can listen to the show just about anywhere. YouTube, Amazon, Spotify, etc., etc.
0: And... Everyone knows where to find me on the internet, so if you don't know, you don't need to know. Um, thanks for listening to After Dark, and we will talk to everyone soon. Be well.
1: No. Oh my god, it snowed? Holy shit. Jackie! no, 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 no. No, 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 Jackie! Wake up! No! Jackie, wake No! No,
2: Jackie, wake up! No! 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 no.